In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... Brought to you this week by the number of times Chase has rejected my invites to hang out just this year. Welcome into episode 65 of the Gospel Friends. I am Reverend Verbage. I am Chase Captain Crunchy Thompson, and this must be episode one. No, it's oh, not episode no. one. And you are? Sad to be here. I am Nick. Sad to be here. Welcome in. AKA Narco Nick. So, okay, uh, According to Virgil, yes, I am. So we are, uh, you just conveniently always have something to do on the days that I ask you to have. We are not doing this on the air. But in Seriously. Per- but, but on Periscope. I've had to hear this for an our hour good friend, now. Our good friend, not... good friend of the show, Sean Lombard, who yes. actually provides the entrance music that you yes. were just listening to. That's right. Thank you, Sean. Um, he shows up on Periscope, and you're like, oh, man, we got to hang out sometime and get lunch. We totally do. What are you doing right now? In fact, I'm thinking this is not tonight, hanging out. I don't have anything going on. Maybe Sean and I could go grab grab a bite tonight. I mean, y'all could watch SummerSlam. Oh, dude, he loves wrestling, uh, so that would be great. I bet he does. I've been looking for some friends to watch that with. I am bitter because I had asked, um, I had asked Chase to um, to hang out and watch wrestling tonight, the SummerSlam pay per view. I'm trying to figure out if it's justifiable to lie right now and say, "Oh, we haven't been recording," and start over. All right, so episode 65, we are going to I'm be talking... I'm going to talk to you the whole show. Really throw off people. That will throw Make off Make me feel people. better, though. All right, okay. we, have, uh, we have What Were You Thinking Tonight, uh, as usual, including a new app for your phone that will Yay. allow you to connect no. oh. to people. Um, well, let's just say it's going to allow you to connect to people in a, uh, in a brand new way. A whole new way. In a whole okay. new way. That's coming up on What Were You Thinking. In just a moment, we're going to talk about... Uh, Warm and fresh way. From Nathan Martin, who wanted us to um, to take a look at something called Seven Day Seminary, being put on by Stephen Furtick, pastor. Sounds totally legit. Pastor Stephen Furtick. Yep. So we're gonna. Uh, well, Our some people hero. might say seven days in seminary is too much. Some people would definitely say seven days yeah. in seminary is too much. So we're gonna talk about that in a moment, and then uh, big big topic tonight. We're gonna follow up uh, from uh, I forgot what episode um, we discussed. Ashley Madison, the uh, website that allows married couples to have secret affairs except they failed at this whole secret thing and uh some hackers who threatened to release all the names of the people who signed up on the website have followed through and released those names and so all types of fallout that are happening from the ashley madison um from those names being released chase what are some of the angles of that story we're going to talk about tonight well, David, we're going to live look up your three alternate email addresses that you don't know we know, and we're going to see if you're in the database. Uh, we're going to do the same thing for Nick and any other guests of the show that shall remain nameless. Are we going to do listeners, too? Uh, we are going to do listeners, especially ones that harass us on the Periscope. We'll check them out. And look, We uh, were at 48, and it just dropped down yeah, by they, 20. That, that was scary. So... Um, <laughs> Well, in a a more serious vein, we're going to talk about the fact that uh, there's been some uh, pretty prominent Christians that have been outed in the uh, Ashley Madison scandal, foremost among them so far at least, Josh Duggar. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, practically, spiritually, the dangers of secret sin, the dangers of 
of not having accountability. Uh, we're going to talk about fleeing temptation. We're going to talk about exhorting each other. We're going to talk about how how prominent uh, pornography, affairs, sexual sin, that sort of thing is in the church, especially in the Bible Belt. Uh, and we'll talk about what, what we can do about that. Do we just put our head in the ground? Do we just run away from all media? Is, is it just... Uh, is it just inevitable? So that that's some of the things we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to uh, interact with listeners over Twitter and Periscope, and hopefully, just have a good time. All right. In, in, in just a few minutes, too, we're going to we have listener feedback, and we also have um, we're going to do some shout outs. I'm going to start some with some shout outs now on uh, uh, out here on Periscope. First of all, a friend of the show, Brian Reynolds, who is uh, Brian is really enjoying things on Periscope so far, <laughs> and. Uh, and at Deco Dunn, who um, finds us so boring, he decided to put in like fifteen O's. So that's a lot. Big, big two shout outs to uh, uh, those guys on on Periscope. You know, one of my favorite uh, podcasts to listen to is the Fantasy Focus podcast with Matthew Barry. They have uh, in that in that studio a Matthew Berry doll that he squeezes when he gets mad, and it's called the Bitter Berry. David, I, I find you very similar to Mister Berry in that regards. We should have a a doll of you that we could you could squeeze when you get mad at Periscope listeners and and Twitter followers and people in the Hall of Dogma. You just squeeze it; it kind of helps you burn off some tension there. The Bitter Davy is what we could call it. I'm trying in my mind to decide if I want to make a joke or not. But but I, if it's inappropriate, probably you shouldn't. Okay, then I'm we want I'm to gonna, be I'm above pass over board. Uh, it's, it's deco done, not deco done. I'm being told okay. by yeah. uh, the uh, Periscope guys. All right, uh, let's uh, let's get into this. Nathan Martin, who is a friend of the show, the benefactor, the benefactor, true friend of the show, Nathan Martin, who is uh, hopefully going to be joining us on an upcoming episode. He sent a uh, link uh, to sevendaysseminary.com and asked uh, what we thought of this type of. Um, uh, what we what do we thought of this idea, and uh, so this in particular seven day seminary dot com is being put on by Elevation Church out of South Carolina, I think. Are they in South Carolina, ah, wherever Stephen oh. Furtick calls home. Okay, uh, it, Pastor Stephen Furtick, who we've talked about a few times on the show, various issues. Um, so essentially, uh, they're doing a uh, a uh, kind of a seminary for anyone, South Carolina. North Thank Carolina. You. Oh, crap. He was born in South Carolina. Sorry. <laughs> okay. I, I did say it was one of the two, and you guys absolutely helped none on that. I'm glad so thank that you. we clarified there well, for Well, hold on. He's from South Carolina, and he serves in North Carolina. Isn't that a little traitorous? Isn't like that graduating from Auburn and being the Alabama coach or something? Or it's just, you know, crossing over the border. All right. So Seven Day Seminary is for people – the two qualifications they say on their website is for people who – Feel God has called you in a ministry, and you want to be equipped to do ministry effectively. You come in for a week, and key personnel inside of Elevation Church, uh, they do uh, basically they, they're calling it a lab environment. So practical, uh, hands-on experience uh, during that seven day, uh, along with teaching from some of their key leaders uh, based on you know experience in the church uh, ministry. Uh, some of the topics, ministry, communication, leadership, and uh, a lot. They, they really push here that Stephen Furtick, Pastor Stephen, will invest. Let me just read from the website. Pastor Stephen will invest an entire day with you. We'll also have exclusive video interviews with four influential church leaders that dive deep into these concepts. Nick, did you want to say anything before I went on? 
Okay. Uh, I am listening, David. So uh, you go you go there. Uh, you're there for a week. You get hands-on ministry training by Pastor Stephen and his staff. And um, the cost of the seven-day seminary is $2,500 per person, and oh, that does gosh. not— that does not take into account uh, travel expenses. So, uh, Nathan, uh, you know, I think we could just talk about the idea in general right now without talking about um, Pastor Stephen, although, you know, I'm sure that will come up. But I guess the idea in general (laughs) is not – the fee sounds pretty high to me. But other than that – $2,500. I mean, the fees – the idea, I don't think – I mean, it's it's essentially they're just trying to find a way to do practical ministry training. Um, Quite honestly, we do something – we try to do something similar to that once a month at the church. Very, very, um, very, very low – uh, low key, but we try to do some lab environments and uh, something happened on the periscope. Yeah, oh, wow, a <laughs> little bit of salty language there. Oh, okay. Um, hmm. So, your focus. I'm here. Okay, your your thoughts on the idea of seven seminary uh, seven day seminary Well, Dave, I'll I, take over periscope while you're doing that. I got I got two problems with this. Um, really, problems yeah, with ministry training? I, I, no, I, I like practical ministry training. Uh, yeah, in fact, no problem ministry training. All right, look, I I, I I've been to seminary. Um, I, I work at a seminary. Uh, I, I, I will. I have some problems with seminary, but overall, I think it's a good thing. the 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 big beef I have with seminary is how rare practical practical ministry training actually is. Now, I'm all for studying the Bible. That's great. Uh, I've had, uh, I don't know, 12 hours of Greek, 12 hours of Hebrew, maybe maybe even 15 hours of Greek. A lot of Greek, a lot of Hebrew, a lot of really good stuff, a lot of theology classes, um, hundreds of graduate hours, uh, like 100, I think I had 120-something, 130 graduate hours in seminary. Uh, I'm a fan, but so little of that is focused on practical day-to-day ministry that that is a uh, that, that that's an that's an issue so i am all for practical hands-on ministry training the problem i have with this is number 1 the cost number 2 calling it seminary seminary is a different sort of thing um i wouldn't call it 7-day seminary seminary is a longer sort of thing and i don't want to just be an, a, a fuddy-duddy with that but uh, to call something that lasts a week seminary is a little, I don't know, is a little flippant. That's not my big problem. That's, that's a problem. It's not a big problem. Charging people $2,500 for seven days of practical ministry training with whatever celebrity pastor you're talking about. I'm not a Stephen Furtick fan. I love David Platt. If David Platt did a seven-day seminary and charged $2,500, I would say, hey, it's great. I'd love to go to it. I got a real problem with that price. It sounds a little like fleecing the flock to me. Well, you've got to pay the celebrity evangelist. I mean, they've got, they've got their travel expenses. They're keeping them in a the hotel, bringing their entourage. They've got to have, all have armor bearers. So uh, they, that costs a lot of money. They really don't have any celebrity evangelists coming. They're piping in the, uh, some leaders via Yeah, video. they're not paying a dime for those, I bet. No, so it's really just their church guys. But anyway, I think you were being a little sarcastic and cynical there. No, I was uh, actually being. I don't. I don't have problem. Honest. I don't have problem. Look, with I've being, seen evangelist contracts for going places and preaching, and it's it's disgusting. Okay, well, I've seen a few of those, and they are some of them are. That's troubling. what this sounds. Some like. of them are awesome. Some of them are troubling. So twenty twenty five hundred dollars, you think is? Um, a well, bit so how much? How much does a the, semester for you cost at seminary? 
Chase, if it was a full time semester. Oh, like a full time seminar uh, semester? You're talking uh, twelve hours. Or so. I mean, you're talking a pretty good amount of money. Two thousand dollars, three thousand dollars, somewhere. And that's in that for multiple classes, or just one? Yeah, that's for yeah, that's for that would be for about twelve hours. Worth. I guess I'm trying to think of, you know, because you you have these mini terms. I'm really trying to think in practical school yeah, terms. But, but, but you have mini terms. You get no school. credit for this though. Well, and so that was. I mean, be, there, there's nothing. You're you're not so there's walking no license away. Coming no, in, no, you know. no. I mean, it's, they're, they're, and I think they're being disingenuous with the name. First your of all, typical. Uh, all right, your typical like. Uh, I, I've had some of these classes. They're called intensives. Um, it, it would be like a, a, a week long class. It would start in the morning at eight. It, it would end at five. You would yeah, have it's like some work terms pre- or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The typical class there would be, depending on what seminary you go to, would be less than a thousand dollars, maybe nine hundred, and you get credit for it and and all that kind of good stuff. And you'd get a lot of intensive hands on training in a classroom about the size of this room. Probably there'd be twenty other people. There'd be a lot of one on one with with the person teaching the class. But but to pay twenty five hundred dollars for that kind of thing uh, with you know probably hundred two hundred three hundred people or or even a thousand people there. And I guess that's and I guess that's my thing. Presenting at a seminary and then it not being because to me the people I know who have gone to cemetery seminary cemetery Did you say cemetery <laughs> not Ooh. on purpose so not on nice. purpose it really was oops has been to get licensed in ministry or to get a required degree for a pastoral or ministry position. Um, when you say seminary, there is a goal at the end of it that enables you on paper to be able to. Say yes, I have this type of this training or, or or education, and if and if you're not getting that out of it, calling that is disingenuous for one, and then the cost is okay. Well, I, I do think the cost is way too high because I think if you look at it, I mean, to me, I, I don't quite understand it uh, cost wise because you are really even if you're paying for the time of the of the leaders, I mean, I don't know how many people you have room for, but twenty five hundred dollars per per person. To pay leaders who are it's at their church, they're not having to travel, and you know essentially they're already paid by the church. I'm, I'm assuming they're they're ministers of the church. So they're already paid anyway. I, I definitely think it's it's worth paying them something and worth their time. But that seems. But if you're already I that seems like, that seems like a lot. If it's um, part of their job of the church, why are you paying them extra? Well, I, I don't think it's their job at the church to train. Like if we had a conference here where we were going to do practical training for Christians, that's not no, I'm thinking, that's not what we're paid by this church to do. We're paid by this church to pastor this flock. Well, I'm so, more thinking if, if you have a church that has a training arm within it already. Well, and yeah, I, I just don't know that they do. But I, I'm saying I can I, see you I getting something. I, I knew some guys that had gone through it or I don't had been a, interested. I don't have a problem with you charging something. That seems like a lot when you're not bringing in people yeah. on the outside. I have no issue. Definitely. I, it's okay to charge for, for deep sort of training. No problem. But $2,500, that's excessive. That is a lot of money. All right. And so, you know, I, I don't know. And, you know, and, and probably some listeners will say, you know, well, you know what is a what is the right amount, and who who you know who's to say what's a, a good amount? Uh, but regardless of all that, I don't have as any problem with it being called seminary. As, as I almost feel like you guys are almost taking like the seminary portion of it a little bit too seriously. Like it's very to me, it's very it's disingen- I mean, it's, but it's very clearly that they're just trying to say like. They're, they're trying to market it name. more. They're, they're trying playing to market off, it. They're be playing more, off the name seminary. They're trying to market it. Very, well. very tiny 
slight issue with that. Why did My, you call it Seven Day Seminary? It's interesting. Very small. Very small. Yeah, just about that. All right. Uh, my big problem is the money. Okay, let me ask this. Let's let's just turn it around. We all agree we need people need to do ministry training. Absolutely. What is what is the best way to go about that? Is these types of conferences by church leaders? Um, is is this? Is this a good way to go about it? Should should each church just be trying to do this type of thing for their own uh, for their own people? Uh, because I mean, essentially, again, they're just saying if you feel God has called you to ministry and you want to be equipped to do it, come here to North Carolina and we'll train you. Um, what is what is a good way to go to go about this if we're not doing this type of training? Hey, look, I I think a uh, I think a week long ministry intensive is a great idea. I think it's fantastic. Um, And again, if it's really focused on practical ministry, that's really huge, especially if it truly is focused on practical ministry, Um, hands-on discipleship, evangelism, that sort of thing. I'm all for it. And having an an intensive set in a local church environment that maybe wouldn't have, you know, hundreds of people that come to it, but maybe... 20 or 50 or 40 people that come to it so that you can actually work with them hands-on. You can actually go out in the field and do some ministry with them in a training sort of environment. That's fantastic. I don't think it's a bad idea. Just my my, my beef with it is the price. But wouldn't most churches be equipped to do this themselves for their own people without having to – for people to pay to go to you know, North Carolina to get it done? Well, you got to understand. Part of this is the celebrity mindset. You part know, you part want, of this, you want to learn are, to grow a part of this, they Furtick. are playing. There is no doubt they are playing off the celebrity of Stephen Furtick. I mean, it even says um, uh, one of the questions: Does Pastor Stephen teach the courses? Yes. Not only will Pastor Stephen spend time teaching in person, but he's bringing in some of his favorite pastors and leaders through video interviews uh, created exclusively for Seven yeah. Day Seminary. So it very, very clearly, the the uh, celebrity mindset. Oh, I could go train with Stephen Furtick, but if you are getting good training in your own home local church, I don't know that you would feel the need for for that as much. Yeah, I, I mean, I can buy that. Uh, what do we do here at the Hall of Dogma Church to train people that are going into the ministry? We uh, broadcast on Periscope. Oh, that, that's that's a huge thing. Um, I think we put them in leadership positions in the church and give them hands-on ministry time, but we rarely have intensive times of focused teaching and training. I thought we sent them to uh, Elevation in North Carolina. Don't we have a – Well, we did before they jacked up the price on us. <laughs> and made it go. Uh, I, I think just churches should, though, spend we, – we have been doing the thing on Sunday nights where you could come in here for practical – a portion of a Sunday night – uh, get together we're doing is practical ministry training we lab yep. lab and hands-on environment but i mean it's very small i'm not saying that's even the kind of intensive thing they're doing here but i just think this should be something that churches are more focused on doing see there's too much the non-information about it and so there's so much there's so much to do with ministry i've got a buddy and y'all know skinner's been on the show and and he has <laughs> what sorry there used to be a wrestler named skinner Okay. He, he had an alligator thing. And You're really more. focusing on the SummerSlam thing. Do you need to take a break? No, and go see ahead. how things are going? Okay. Go ahead. Um, 
but he, you know, he feels called to ministry, but he is he is hung up on seminary and not being able to um, minister until he goes to seminary. I'm, I'm just kind of going, you know, you've got to find, you know, people in your local congregation who will raise you up and teach. And he's like, but if I ever want a job, I've got to have that piece of paper. And while I push back on that to some degree, I understand if you're applying just to five different churches or whatever you do, but you know, the, there is a vibe, you know, that not every church does it the way we, we kind of do. Um, and so I'd kind of be interested to hear from the Hall of Dogma on Twitter, kind of what local churches path to ministry is, because I think there's a lot of misconception or assumptions made about what's required for that. And I don't know that local churches handle it the way that we could, if we, put our minds to it. But I don't think I don't think this is the answer. I don't I, I don't know that it's the answer. I, th- I you know, okay, again, I, I work at a seminary. I've worked at a seminary since 2008, one of the big Southern Baptist seminaries. Uh, I teach at a college. I, I like seminary, I like Christian schools, I I, I like college, I, I like academia. But I think ultimately seminary may not be the best way to raise up pastors and ministers. And I think you're right. I I know a lot of gifted ministers that most churches would not look to hire because they don't have that paper degree. I'm all for training. I'm all for studying the Word. I I tend to think very few churches have the Green Bay Packers mentality. I think over the last five years, the Green Bay Packers have brought in less than 10 players that they did not themselves develop in the offseason. So the, the Green Bay Packers, one of the best teams in football, they are all about drafting and developing football players that will be the foundation of their uh, of their franchise for years to come, and they're great at it. Churches don't always think of that way. They tend to go to the seminaries to get their ministers and leaders who have been trained to lead the church. No, they outsource it. They, they outsource they, they out, discipleship. They outsource discipleship to seminaries, and they go, like you just said, to seminaries to 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 um, find their leaders. And uh, I have I, I've been to seminary. Um, I did not finish. I did not finish because um, not because I didn't enjoy it. As a matter of fact, um, I did very well there. Uh, but I stopped because. Life circumstances, I was going to have to give something up, and essentially it came down to give up pastoring, or I had a pastor role, or give up seminary, and I, I chose to give up seminary. I learned a lot at seminary, nothing practical in terms of pastor pastoral ministry. I learned a lot about ac- academics and, and the history of the Bible, and um, but I learned nothing that I am utilizing today in terms of day-to-day pastoring that I learned at seminary. I'm not against it. I think it's good for a lot of people, but I believe the system that we have right now in the American church, where a a church will not look at a leader, they will not look at a pastor or teacher to bring them in unless they have a degree next to their name. They have stuck so many qualifications on hiring pastors that, quite honestly, even Jesus or Paul couldn't get hired at at thank you most churches in America today. They have if if someone feels called to ministry, they point them to seminary, and, and and then they go to seminary and find those people with their degrees. and And I just think it's a broken system. I don't, hate to bring up Mark Driscoll. Um, I really don't. But uh, <laughs> Mark Driscoll said, you know, he said the now flaw. It's time for as the Driscoll. Turns. The flaw is what we've done is is um, you know rather than train the called, 
we go and call the trained. So we go find the people who've been yeah. trained and have their degrees, and then we call them to be our, 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 our ministry leaders. But what needs to be happening in the church is you see people who are called to ministry, and the church is supposed to train them. Yes. The church is supposed to do Great. that. And I, I'm, like I said, seminary's fine. I, nothing against it at all. If, if I could, I would go back and finish, um, and I may sometime at, at some point in my life if um, money and copious amounts of children were not an issue. But I think that stopping people from walking in ministry is ridiculous. I, I agree with you. And, and by the way, seminaries are focused on training pastors, um, kind of in, in the sense of that that is the primary ministry calling. But I think if you look at Scripture, I, I think you would struggle to walk away from the New Testament saying the primary way people minister in the body of Christ is to be pastors. Although you and That's I both true. are pastors. That is not – if that sounds like we're knocking pastors, we are pastors. So we're not knocking uh, our calling. But I think seminaries focused on preparing pastors to minister. I like that. I work there. Good stuff. Um, but I think we've narrowed our focus too much on preparing pastors and not quite enough on preparing other people to minister in different ways. Evangelists, for for instance. You you and I, red shirt guy. Um, I'm doomed to death. That's who they talk about us on, on Periscope. Uh, Chad just said, I agree with yellow guy. And so I'm turning to you, red guy. Shout out to is way too unattainable to make it the primary training ground for ministry. I, I think that's I actually agree. true. Uh, As a yes. Periscope listener, uh, I agree with you. Well, and there's also a member of the Hall of Dogma. Oh, okay. Awesome. Hey, Chad. Chad. Uh, you and I, we, we got to move on, but you and I have talked before. And y'all thought this one was going to be. I know. This is, well, the first five minutes was stupid, but, but this, this is a good discussion. You were reading for a very long time. You and I talked about how for so long, like the mentality in the church is, like you're working up to something. If you want to mm-hmm. be in ministry, the ultimate yes. goal is yes. senior pastor. Well, and so you yeah. get into ministry and, and you're doing these various roles until you can finally attain that goal of senior pastor. Like that's, but you know, ministry and serving in ministry, it it's it is about finding your call and your giftings and what God has yes. for you. And and the church should not be set up where it's only pastors who are able to serve. Right and and we should not have the mentality that becoming a pastor and becoming certain pastoral roles, attaining those roles, is is success in ministry. Well, into that you know, and again, from a young age in terms of youth group age, I felt a call to ministry, and I did. It, it seemed like you had to work through, you had to be a youth leader, and then you had to go to Bible college, and then you had to be a children or youth pastor. Um, you may be an intern, um, you know, do a ministry training, master's commissions, the de- what the denomination I came from had. You'd be a youth pastor, then you'd be an associate, then maybe you'd be a counseling pastor, and then eventually you'd be really in ministry because you'd be the senior pastor. And in the Word and functionally in church, you just don't see that working because even in the early church, the whole body used the gifts they had to minister to the body. And yes, there were shepherds that oversaw that body. There were primary teachers that taught, but there was so much more that happened in the body that the pastors didn't do. Deacons minister to the congregation by meeting the physical needs so the pastors can meet, the teachers can meet the spiritual needs. Neither one of those are less ministry than the other. You know, we are an elder-based church. We talked about that before. You two are elders. I'm one of the deacons slash ministers. And 
even though our roles are different, I'm, I have no less responsibility to minister to the body than the two of you all. If I felt an unction on a Sunday morning during our ministry time to pray for the, the congregation, not that I ever wouldn't, but I wouldn't have to necessarily say, hey, can I go grab that mic? Because there's there's a there's a recognition of of the call the Lord has has given me, and how I function in it here, and so it's a beautiful thing, but but you also have to have a church structure that that fosters and facilitates that, and unfortunately there's a lot of guys who feel that call that want to serve the Lord want to want to help their body that don't have that around them, and and I bringing it back to seven day seminary I feel like this praise on guys like that and and that's where it just gives me heartburn it might you know one of the weaknesses of the seminary system i think is that it i I think there's this unspoken in the church that people who go to seminary come back they're the ministers and that everybody else is the attendees or whatever yeah and that's garbage. That's not the way the body of Christ is set up. Everybody is a minister. Everybody has the call of Jesus on them, whether they've gone to seminary or not. And and we when we have the 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 difference between the laity and the clergy, we we talk that way. We talk about the line between the laity and the clergy. And I've I've heard pastors, especially old school pastors, talk about before the difficulty of having friends at the church they're pastoring. And I always think, man, you you just have a complete unbiblical view of what the church is, because the, the, there is no line between the clergy and laity. There is no clergy. There's there's not, there's not that. There is no special class of ministers in the body of Christ. We all have giftings. Some people have the gift of pastor uh, that have gone to seminary. Some people have the gift of pastor that haven't gone to seminary. Um, some people have the gift of teacher that have gone to seminary. Some people have the gift of teaching that haven't gone to seminary. But there's no special class of minister in the New Testament. And I think when we act like there's a line between the clergy and the laity, we miss uh, the understanding of the body of Christ, which is every part doing its work. Um, I need to uh, – um, I want to answer one question from Periscope before we move on. Um, Bill – Bill off Periscope was asking how how does a church with less than two hundred people, and so we'll kind of assume that's maybe um, talking about the the financial ability of the church. But less than two hundred people, how can they provide substantive, su- substantive, substantive? Thank you, substantive uh, ministry training uh, yep. to people. Great question. Uh, because yeah, of a lack of resources, and so we one, wouldn't know about that around here because our church has what twenty thousand twenty five. Uh, we were down this morning. It was nineteen. Oh wow! Hey, no, nineteen thousand, not nineteen people. Uh, I, I will, I will just share my experience real quick. I was, you know, I, I have been trained in ministry, pastoral ministry, in a church of less than two hundred people, and the way that happened is um, a, a past the, the pastor of the church recognized a call that in me that I had expressed, and he began to invest in me. Uh, a lot of it was one-on-one lunches. Um, it was it was giving me advice and resources, and allowing me to walk out ministry with him and go with him on uh, to ministry activities and things that he was doing. And then he began to give me roles and allowing me to do things that he was doing uh, with presentations or teaching. And so it was very it was practical and it was one-on-one. And and now. One man, he could not have done that with 
I don't really know what his threshold would have been, but you can't do that with dozens and dozens and dozens of people right. at one time. But I do think if every if you have multiple leaders in your church and every one of those leaders exactly. is trying to do something like that, you can find the people in your church who are called to ministry and do that type of discipleship. And I actually think churches that are less than 200 people are uniquely equipped to do that type of training where uh, where larger churches have more resources to do it uh, in a different way. Uh, I actually think churches less than 200 people have a kind of a unique opportunity to do that type of in a more uh, hands-on sort of way, more hands-on sort of way. So, but that's also the other thing is when you when you build on that, the idea is that you wouldn't be the only guy, or you wouldn't it wouldn't just be him discipling you, but at some point you would be able to begin your six yeah, month you into that start, process. You can start that. Too. You can start that with an, another dude, and yeah. especially if it's not a kind of yeah. leaning towards a lead pastoral yeah. role. Good, I mean, good question, Bill. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. All right, good show, guys. That's pretty much the end of it, is it not? No, no, no. Well, we didn't go far too long on that segment. Wow. All right. I guess well, we're we about need... to cut back to Ashley Madison stuff. All right. Well, let's let's uh, let's let's do real quick some listener feedback. Time wise, not content wise, for the record. <laughs> Thank you I'm for all saying, of ready. the uh, listeners. So you can get a hold of us on the podcast. Uh, you can go to our website, thegospelfriends.com. We have an email address, thegospelfriends at gmail dot com. Correct, Nick. I know you're on your phone right now, but uh, he doesn't look like he's in the game. Okay, the gospel friends, the, the gospel friends at gmail dot com. Uh, you can uh, you also reach us on Twitter at my gospel friends. And here's some feedback that we've gotten from the Twitter. Uh, and I last, was learning uh, how to communicate on the show from Chase's show prep. Also, there you go. Just not pay attention. Uh, can't pay, stop talking. Can't stop talking on Twitter. Uh, said listening to some gospel friends podcast to get our morning started. Uh, and then invited people to check us out. We appreciate hearing from uh, those. Who, who is that? The uh, at, at Can't Stop podcast. Guys. Josh. Uh, oh, no, no, no. It's it's the guys that used to do the LOC podcast. Okay. You know what? I asked that on the last show, and you said the same thing. That's then. right. I'm going to keep asking until you, you, you give me a different answer. <laughs> it, it is ironic in the extreme that you sometimes harass me for not paying good enough attention. Uh, Just saying. That's true. Richie Devotee off Twitter at rdevotee said uh, listening to this week's episode after a long work day, and that was the episode with Tony Vance. Uh, and again, good to hear from you, Richie. Have not uh, I think um, Richie's been busy for a while and hasn't uh, been able to communicate with us as much as he did in earlier episodes, so good to see him back. The Old Paths Guide, who always has a lot of great things to say on the Twitter, said if Driscoll wasn't in a suit and tie during his interview, then he has not truly repented. <laughs> Hashtag old paths. That's true. Talking about the Mark Driscoll repentance interview we played uh, one of our last episodes. So uh, hey, hey, he today, was not wearing a suit. So I'm assuming that uh, no repentance has happened. Yeah, yeah got to have a, a, a suit on. Speaking of today, for the first time in two years, one year, we had a live suit at the Hall of Dogma Church. Uh, did they have a towel? <laughs> As well, opposed to a dead suit? Yeah, no, they just like had a blazer on. The suit. No, they just had a blazer on. Okay, that so doesn't it doesn't count as a suit. Nah, okay, that's so. true. It was just a blazer. Okay, All right, uh, I was a little yeah. worried about breaking our streak there. What's a live so suit? So none of the curmudgeons like, wear suits on Easter? Samuel and Michael don't wear Not suits. suits. What's no, a dead I suit? I, I don't know. Okay. You're trying to get me to go to a dangerous place. Michael Woodard. At R. Michael Woodard on uh, Twitter. I didn't He's understand an attorney, this. By the way, don't don't. don't he said, him. "Love you. you." He tweeted to me, Rev Verbage. He said, "Love you and love my gospel friends." But the grammar Nazi inside of me bo- goes bonkers every time you substitute "gone" for "went." Hmm. Can you not just interchange those two? 
you know, if you're David, you can. Well, okay. I don't understand what you know, Michael's issue is and why he had to go and went and send that. Yeah, but anyway, I don't either. Sean Francis, indeed, Sorry, uh, Michael. at Adhesive Wombat, appreciated our uh, bringing back of his favorite segment as the Driscoll turns. We almost uh, did it again tonight. He also got in, informed, made some, uh, gave us some information about the uh, award-winning. Uh, what did you guys start talking about? IPA? Pa- no, Pabst Blue Ribbon. Pabst, okay, Pabst, Pabst Blue. Ribbon. Not award-winning and not an IPA. <laughs> okay, neither one. So it's he one said he said it was made. he said it's popular because it's cheap. Apparently, so. And then uh, I said, as, and I said, so what has made it so popular? He said, hipsters, <laughs> hipsters who don't have a lot of money. Rob Halton. I, I still don't know how to say his name. I bet it's Houghton. Okay. That sounds fancier. Just Rob, at Count It All Dung, said... He told us how to pronounce his name, he did. but the way he told us, I, I was like, well, dang, is that still... I, I wasn't I paying attention. Get it. All right, Rob. Rob H. Rob H. Uh, Rob's, uh, Rob, you should call in and leave us a voicemail. What's our voicemail number? And tell us how to pronounce your name. What is our voicemail? Are you asking, okay, yeah. are you asking me to pronounce yes. my name? No, no, no. Or I know how to pronounce your name. <laughs> to a Jack five. Wagon. But what is oh, what's the voicemail? This early. What's the voicemail? Two oh five. Yeah. Five seven five. Yeah. Nine seven three five. Rob, call in, leave us a voicemail and tell us how to pronounce your name in the voicemail. Also, speakpipe.com slash the gospel friends. Uh, Rob hey, said David Allen, we'll pray for you, brother. Rob I, I hear you, man. Rob said if the Big Bang Theory uh, if the characters off the Big Bang Theory got saved, were fascinated with cereal and had a podcast, it would be the gospel friends. <laughs> So it's right. worth a listen. That's okay, what he so, said. That's a very kind thing to say. I've never watched The Big Bang Theory. He said it was, that is not inaccurate at all. Is said, it true? Is it a good show? I've never seen it. I've never seen it Wallowitz. Huh? I would be who? Wallowitz? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you for that, Rob. Would I like that show? I've heard good things about it. I don't it. know if I would call you Cuther Polly. What? Uh, Those names don't make yeah, sense. Yeah, that doesn't mean anything. I know, but Sheldon. I know there's a Sheldon on that yeah, show, right? He, he was the next. Project yes. Faith Journey at P Faith Journey. They're going to Budapest for right. missions, and they ask if we would like so some. Does anybody know what country Budapest is in? Uh, Hungary. Okay. Hungary. Uh, so they. <laughs> <laughs> you are so keep going. What? That's, how, making you, the, that's yeah. how you spell it. All right, so they they ask us if we would want some Budapestian cereal while they were while they were there. You and so I right would now. love so some. They're, they're going to bring they're going to bring Good uh, to if they can find right some now. cereal. Yep, Budapestian. Then, yeah, so if they can find some Budapestian <laughs> cereal. In Look, Hungary, you guys would to, get the shout out of all shout outs that's if what we I told somehow them. got that's what I told some them. real live Hungarian. So they said if they're going to. I look, can articulate that in words. How how bad you're mispronouncing Hungary? Then I would absolutely make this the title of the show. Hungary, Hungary. Is that so, how you say it? Hungary. Hungary is a lot better than the way you pronounce it. Hungary. <laughs> I, I wish you'd stop saying that. Okay, Michael. <laughs> Michael Woodard. Uh, wait, we've already done Michael Woodard. Where are we? Um, I have no idea either. I'm oh, Doctor Ad Hominem just yep. he he pointed out that um, that you at Doctor Ad Hominem he said that it uh, it's been confirmed Chase Thompson is a crossdresser and he didn't deny it. He's Wearing a kilt, number one, does not mean that one is crossdressing. Number two, I don't actually have a kilt and I've never worn one, so I'm denying both things. Okay. All right, guys, let's uh, move into uh, what were you thinking before we get to the uh, Ashley Madison segment. Uh, what were you thinking is the 
part of the show where we take a look at some of the uh, wild and wacky things happening in our world today. We're going to start in um, Houston. No, Danville, Pennsylvania. Oh, I was close. Couple who took pet snake for swim and river. Being close. <laughs> Well, One of the things that infuriates me more than anything I, on earth I, I, is when I, someone talks over my headline. Why does that bother you so much, Captain Pride? Oh, wait. You know what? I'm not even going to do that story now. I'm not even going to do it. I'm moving on to a different one. So I'm fussy. skipping that story altogether. Don't talk over my headlines. Okay. Okay. Shoot him. Shoot him. I just, I need, From China. I need, I need to ask you a quick, quick question before you get started. Technically, my question was already started before you, you started the headline. The way this afternoon is gone, do you really think I'm going to have a lot of consideration for what's going to make you happy or sad at this point? No, I, I don't think you ever care what it makes me happy. That's actually sad. factually inaccurate. Okay. Let's go to China. We're going to skip Pennsylvania. I'm not even going to tell you what happened there. China. I kind of want to know about the snake story. No. Nick talked over my headline. Members, <laughs> members of China's Urine Therapy Association believe pee can cure any illness. Is Hungary a member of that group? Um, Wait, what's it called? The Urine Therapy Association? Members of China's Urine Therapy. As opposed to UTI? UTA, member of China's Urine Therapy Association, believe pee can cure any illness. So believe it or not, there's actually an association in China that believes in the miraculous healing power of urine. So much so that all members... Your pronunciation game is just on tonight. <laughs> so much so... You're going to make the grammar not so, listen, so much, So much so that members meet every day for pee drinking The school sessions. teacher over here is hanging his head in shame for his friend, and he's a math teacher. Hey, did, like, you, hear, did you hear what I said? No, I, they I meet every that. day for pee drinking sessions. <laughs> Their meetings take place at the China Urine Therapy Association. There's pictures no. of guys here who no. are drinking the pee. Or the, oh. the CUDA. Where members first visit the bathroom to collect their urine. Then they make their way to the roof terrace. And with warm uh, plastic cups, they toast to each other's health before <laughs> gulping it all down. Quite honestly, the only place to drink urine is the roof terrace. <laughs> That's true. Um, if I vomit, it will be on you. By the way, this association was set up in Hong Kong in 2008. And Hong Kong is one of the most industrialized. They didn't know you were coming nations in all of the world um the association surprisingly enough is not officially recognized by china's ministry of health thank the lord um but a thousand people have joined the association and they believe that urine thousand prolongs life improves health and can even cure cancer i bet it doesn't Yep. Uh, urotherapy if it has a name it, it even has this huge yep. wikipedia page bayo yafu who's been the head of the association since 2010, has been consuming his own pee since 1972. <laughs> well, that's as long as I've been alive. <laughs> and um, he's 79 years old now and uh, credits his long life of drinking urine to his health. That's awesome. All right, so if you go to the Wikipedia urine therapy page, it shows you a big jar of urine. It does. Just, you know, if anybody wanted to see what urine looks like. Um, but the thing about urine is, okay, I can appreciate right some of these the great health claims where, you know, you take this and it makes you better. But urine comes from yourself. Like, it's already in there. Oh, that, I see what you did there. Urine comes from yourself. Yes. That's nice. <laughs> well, that's, that's where the term urine <laughs> that, comes from. That's, that's good. It's in your to begin with. I think Nick just muted my mic. I think you muted it. I think you muted mine too. Um, 
But all right, all right, so urine comes from inside. So how is it benefiting you in, in ways that it hasn't already benefited you? It's, it's already like been processed. Sort of, I mean, is it the? Well, all right. So is there something magic about being excreted through the kidneys? By the way, that's a great word. Uh, excreted. Members believe urine is beneficial. Because is this like it, antibiotics where they give you a little inoculations where they give you? A little <laughs> <laughs> it might be. <laughs> Members, looks mad about members believe that urine is beneficial because it carries valuable nutrients from the blood. Wasn't a headline. Urine not, comes if from blood. If, if, if blood is in your urine, that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bad thing. Well, it says urine comes from blood. Its chemical components, components come from blood and equal those of blood, so it's good to drink it. Why that's could, not true. Why that's you just, not medically true. So why couldn't you just talk slice your finger and suck, on, suck on the blood and just... Be done with then it. you would be a vampire. I don't know, Count McConnell. Why don't you just do that? <laughs> well, I'm saying if urine is helpful. Okay, never mind. By the way, if you're in Danville, Pennsylvania, I wouldn't swim in the river. But, hey, I'm not going to tell you about it because Nick spoke over my headline. Let's go to uh, – by the way, this story was posted and suggested that we do. It's going to deal not with urine but the other bodily excrement. And I don't know that um, – uh, you know, I, I didn't plan that. But someone posted I mean, this and poop. suggested that we should talk about it. Um, so there's a new there's a new app, uh, and uh, it's called Apu. Okay. Hey, Chase, real quick. I need to get your I don't know, Count McConnell. Can you get <laughs> <laughs> Can I get, hey man? Can I get an anger problem? I poo. What can you do do when you poo poo? That was the name of the app. <laughs> Specific. <laughs> okay, so essentially, I poo. Essentially, of course I poo. you have. Uh, it's He's been, right it's, here. It's, Y'all can poop you, together you, later. No, <laughs> listen, it got pulled from the app store since I decided to do the story. Well, that's uh, a it's still on. An, it's still on Android though. I poo. So essentially, was going to be Android is I poo. Listen, it was going to be the four square for pooping. So what it what it allowed you to do? So it would solve your problem. What no, it solve Kevin's in. problem it, at work? You check in. No. Th- so this is what iPoo is. Okay. It allows you to connect. So when you go to the bathroom, you log into iPoo and you connect with other people all over the world who, who are, are also poop? who are also pooping. Oh my god! And you can write messages, draw uh, draw graffiti, earn points and badges. <laughs> And, and you can also, if you check in, like at a public restroom, you can see uh, other, you know, you can see what other people said while they were pooping from that same location. Does it have push notifications? Because oh, I see what you did there. That seemed to be a push push, push notification. Oh God, I see, I see what you just did. Um, so uh, the worst part of the app, the Twitter-esque Ooh. feed of going on. So there's a feed in the app. Yeah. Uh, it's called the Poo Stream. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Why, did they, why did it get pulled? I can't find that out. It was there. Um, it was, really? Uh, yeah, it was there. We and have they, to wonder why this got. And they pulled it down. So I don't know if it's. Um, Everybody it, poops. Yeah, I, I I don't know, yes, do. and uh, I don't know if it's still available available for Android. So, I bet it yeah, I mean about blah blah blah. So there you go. All right, that was, tell me about Ashley. That was great, and Mr. Duggar. Wow, gosh, I feel so awkward moving into more of a serious topic after that. Shouldn't we have some sort of palate cleanser to kind of? We could do that thing you've been wanting to do about you could ask, rinse with urine. Ask each other questions. Are we, I thought we were all right. We're going to do. Yeah, it this yeah. Time. You can do that. Go ahead. So what's the, what's the deal with this? You're you're wanting to ask 
Teach you so wise man on yeah. the hill. What was okay, the whole so, situation? So in the in the spirit of the show, this show, so Gospel Friends, kind of stealing content from other shows. Uh, one of the <laughs> like big, big is that deals, what we did? Little deal or no? Well, that's what we did with. Unbeknownst to me, that's when we named Big Deal, Little Deal, or No Deal. We picked it up from the Mike and Mike podcast, which is my bad. I didn't realize that, but it was a total copy, and we're gonna have to rename it in episode sixty-six, guys. Got to come up with a better name. But okay. next uh, time we do Big Deal or Little Deal, we'll we'll do that. Good. Keeping in the vein of uh, stolen content, which some of our stuff is, I was thinking we could just kind of go around the table and ask each other interesting questions, and uh, kind of you know, kind of like a shot in the dark, hoping that uh, one of them uh, would produce an interesting answer. Does that make sense? So okay. everybody gets a question. Okay. Um. And uh, the you know you you start out and you uh, you ask your question. So who wants okay. to go first? I will. Oh, good. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. I bet you are. All right, Chase. Who yes. is your best friend in the entire world? Jesus. <laughs> yes. He is Bible friend of next. <laughs> okay. Can I ask a follow up question, or is it only one question? I think you only get one question. Oh, man, I hate this game. All right, I'm done. No, I'll allow it. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, other than Jesus and your wife, who is your best friend in the entire world? That's a that's a great question, David. I, I need to I need to pray about that for a little bit. I didn't. This God is, has this blessed is, me with with a. This is a dumb. This is a dumb segment. If you can't if you can't if, if you don't answer it. <laughs> well, can I speculate a minute? Because sure, I, I speculate. The reason you're asking me this question is because Friday night, Hashtag one of besties. my other friends had a birthday, and, and, and his yep. wife and he invited my wife and I out for dinner to celebrate. Which is, by the way, a perfectly okay thing to happen. Generally speaking, yes. Generally speaking. All right, and so while out on, on the birthday. Hey, we, we've done a lot for your birthday to hang out, haven't we, David? Uh, You've we, invited the three of us to this places. Year. Go ahead. <laughs> while out on the birthday, uh, the wife of my friend, who will remain nameless, uh, she's actually in the Hall of Dogma, believe it or not. God but bless she, her. But uh, she took a picture of us, like a, 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 selfie. a quad selfie, yeah, yeah, yeah and, and posted quad it on a Facebook. Selfie. Well, in the midst of, of eating, I got uh, a text on the old uh, Gospel Friends <laughs> group text calling me out for, you know, hanging out with other people. No, so. no, no. I, call, I just said I know why Chase isn't answering my text. I've been there asking was a, questions. There was a conversation yes. David was trying to get started. Yeah. Now, well, I was talking real, to an empty room. So I went to bed Friday night. I went to bed, I went to bed Friday night with up. the picture of, you know, you and, and this family. Yeah. Saturday morning I get up. Yeah. And you went to bed on Friday night with a picture of Chase and his other family. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of weird, isn't it? <laughs> well, okay. It, it, it wasn't as stalkerish as that that sounded. That but I went to bed. Sketchier. I went to bed Friday night, having seen if that picture. If it's not as stalkerish okay. as it sounds, you probably don't want to finish the story. I went to bed. I got up Saturday morning <laughs> drinking coffee. I'm okay. scrolling through Facebook. Yep, yep. And there's a brand new picture of you and this guy because yep. apparently y'all had a sleepover or something. Had not a and, sleepover. And 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 y'all were coaching your sons it was together. His birthday, coaching right, sons together. And it 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 had a caption: uh, Chase and his friend, best friends yep. since 1987. Well. I, did I write that? No, the I didn't. No. Well, but I mean, maybe she was just speculating. I'm, so I'm just asking you who your best friend is. That's all. I, I have was, several I was just asking. best friends. I don't know if by definition you you can do that. David, you are if you by were going to get lost friends I have ever. You had. can. Okay. If you were going to get lost on the lost island, yes, and you could you could have <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Janet. That would be enough. 
here's and the one thing. friend. Here's What's the thing. The, who's the friend you choose? Yeah. Here's the thing, though. I, I don't care, Chase, if you have other best friends. Yeah. But I ask you to do three this, dozen things a year. Yeah. And you turn me down on 99% of them. That is a bald-faced lie. I don't even know what the inside of your house looks like. Okay. It ask your question. We got to move there. on. Ask your question. Okay. Here's my question. Nick's on deck. Okay. What's, uh, I'll, I'll go to you first, Nick. Um, what is the worst insult you've ever given or been given or heard? Mm. I'll, I'll give you one while you're thinking about it. Um, cause this is, this is a pretty good one. I heard this one particular one on, on TV. Frazier, if you ever watch Frazier with Kelsey Grammer, he hosts a radio show. So uh, he had a caller call in. When, he's a psychologist on the radio. One of the funniest shows I've ever watched was Frazier. He's a psychologist, got people call in with their problems, and he asks their problem. Well, a guy named Roger calls in one day and, and starts spelling out a problem. And Frazier launches into this thing. He says, he says, Roger, at Cornell University, they have an incredible piece of equipment known as the tunneling electron microscope. Now, this microscope is so powerful that by firing electrons, you can actually see images of the atom, the infinitesimally small building block of our universe. Roger, if I were using that microscope right now, I still wouldn't be able to locate my interest in your problem. (laughs) And as far as I'm concerned, that's a pretty good good good. takedown. Yeah. David called me reformed one time. Oh, nice, nice. Emmanuel Marsh is going to uh, is that mentally the... in his mind liking that? <laughs> I'm, it's half the reason I said it. Uh, is, is that the best? No, it was just pretty germane yeah. to the show and fun for the listeners. Okay, um, I, I don't know. I'm, I, uh, I can probably think of some. It's yeah, just none that I wouldn't have. I could singers. edit out. I have an exceedingly honest daughter this week, and she was listening to uh, a video of us oh boy. Um, talking. Uh, I think it was a Gospel Friends video. And it was a video of me talking, and she whispered in my ear, uh, Daddy, you don't sound very good on video. I was like, well, thank you, honest daughter. Honest Honesty. I, I told my uh, wife a few <laughs> weeks ago that she was looking exceptionally pretty today. That didn't go well. Yeah. Apparently, sounds like a nice thing. Yeah. See, I thought so too. But apparently, you should never add. You look really nice today. Yeah. Mm, that's a good. Like point. today is never okay. But even ex- so, if you say I had exceptionally a, I had a, nice today, you're still acknowledging that there's other days. Actually, I don't, not, I don't think I said exceptional. I just said you look really then nice you're an idiot. today. Ooh. Yeah. But I mean, I told her. I said, you know, it. it you you have to. Establish. I, I channeled my inner general, and I just said, you know, it's. I mean, I'm just clarifying. Yesterday's gone. I don't know what you're going to look like tomorrow. I'm saying you look really nice today. Is she your wife? Oh, yeah, last time I checked. Then do you know what she's going to look like tomorrow? Nick, does your wife always look exceptionally nice? Ask your question, Nick, so we can move on. Um, So when you downloaded to beta test the iPoop app, did it help you find an empty bathroom at work this week? (laughs) No, I I don't need an app for that. Just just, get your steps in on... Health miles. Yeah, I just yeah. Hey, ask me what my favorite podcast is right now. <laughs> hey, David, what's your favorite podcast right now? Cereal. Have is y'all listened to I've Cereal? Listened I to am loving it. Okay, I listen right to now. tons of podcasts. Yeah. I've just never start, started. Several that one. people have told me about it, yeah. and so I started listening to it. It's Cereal with an S, not with a C. Yeah. Okay. So you, you, you see my confusion with our show. Now, but it is it is fantastic. It is really really good. It has me it has me hooked. Okay. What what podcast are you listening to right now that you really like? Nick college football college like, like who like who I, I'm listening um, 
I keep trying to download the AL.com Alabama Football Podcast, but for some reason they can yeah. get it to their website, but not in their RSS feed, oh, which makes me very sad for them. Okay. Um, so I've been kind of going back through off-season episodes of the ESPN College Football Podcast. It's who's almost that, who's time. Who's that hosted by? I can't tell. It used to be hosted by Ivan Mazel. Yeah. Then last season they brought in Matt Berry, but he was there but not. And it seems like they are transitioning the reins again this season. So I can't get okay. a fix on who's, who's hosting it. Uh, you ought to listen to the SVP. Well, it used to be SVP and Rosillo, which was my favorite podcast. SVP left. Now it's going to be Rosillo and Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell hates the SEC, and he's a big ACC guy, and he's a Florida State blowhard, but I still like him. I okay. like him a lot. Well, I can see why you'd Rosillo be a big is hilarious. ACC football fan. You know, I am not an ACC football fan, but they I like They had like Cannell. 12 wins last year between you know, everybody. Josh, aren't you a Florida State fan? No, no, his brothers oh, okay. are the hard right, There we go. Now in basketball, Josh is a big ACC. ACC guy. Are you signaling me to talk about um, Ashley Madison? Ashley Madison. Yes, incident? I am. Okay, that's I'm, a good. That's a good signal. I'm pointing I at you that we get into the game. Well, man, everybody knows that's been paying attention to the news that uh, the adultery website Ashley Madison was hacked recently, and those same hackers have released 9.6 gigabytes of data containing the names and email addresses of people that have signed up for the service, ostensibly indicating that they were interested in cheating on their spouse. Uh, Several big-name people have been caught up in that scam. Uh, Several hosts of the Gospel Friends have downloaded that data and are looking forward to uh, building some sort of location-oriented app to tell you where those people are, but uh, it hasn't been released yet. Um, But in a more serious sort of sense, uh, this has been a massive thing. 36 million uh, approximately uh, Ashley Madison accounts were leaked. Uh, many of those in the United States of America, um, many of those in our local area, uh, Trustful being one of the top places in all of Alabama, uh, all of Birmingham, Alabama, at least, for Ashley Madison people. Um, guys, this, is, this has been huge news. You see that, uh, as we talked about earlier, Josh Duggar, uh, son of the famous Duggars from the reality show 19 and, and Counting, uh, was caught up in this and has admitted to uh, infidelity on his wife uh, and family of, I believe, four now. Um, big deal. I would, I would say without question this is a big deal. Uh, I will go to you first, David. What do you make of all of this? What's your opening statement? I think the dangers of uh, just hidden sin, secret sin, that uh, no one else knows about. We talked a little bit uh, in the Hall of Dogma Church this morning as we were uh, reading through First uh, Thessalonians. Uh, it really talks about uh, the danger of sexual immorality, and I think the number of people, and I think when you look at Josh Duggar, um, Obviously, he he admitted a pornography addiction. I think his pornography addiction is ultimately what led to um, his cheating. I, I realize that may be kind of a, uh, a controversial statement, but I believe that. I think that uh, people with pornography issues, if you do not check those, I think they take you deeper and deeper and deeper into uh, greater areas of, of, of um, sin. And ultimately... <coughs> Um, I think for those who have pornography addictions that are unchecked, that will lead them to something uh, like this. And so I think the the danger of secret hidden sin that no one else knows about in your life, 
that you are not confessing to anyone. You know, we could spend a lot of time, and and, and many people are talking about. You know, I've, I've seen people call Josh Duggar sleaze and uh, and things like that. Anyone who has secret sin in their life, pornography issues, could end up in this spot if it's if it's left unconfessed and not dealt with. And there is a danger, a danger, a danger um, for especially you know people in the church um, who have those things going on and are not dealing with them. And um, that's what I see happening here, and, and you know. In this in this situation, essentially, you see here an expose of secret sin, and maybe even perhaps a warning to the church at large uh, to deal with secret sin. Yeah, I think you could. I think you could talk a lot about um, you know why do people cheat, and you know why do people want to have affairs and things like that, and and you know, I'm sure there's a, a myriad of reasons that. Um, that psychologists and and uh, counselors would talk about. Uh, I, I do think people are not taking the vows that they make seriously. Um, you know, there's so much about marriage and people's who whose marriages are in trouble. And you listen to the people in those marriages, and they'll say things like, "Well, we're just not. You know, I don't love them the way that I used to, or I don't have the feelings for them that I used to have." Or it, it comes back to somehow the spouse is not giving. The, uh, their partner, what their partner feels like they they need or should be getting, and and so we we push aside vows and promises that we make and commitments that we make because someone else is not living up to you know to their end of the of the bargain, hmm. and so uh, but what gets you to that point? And you know I personally have not met a lot of people who've gotten to the point of, of an affair simply from everything's going good, all of a sudden my spouse or partner is not fulfilling my needs, and so um, you know, I'm going to uh, – I'm just going to go have an affair. Yeah. Uh, most of the time there is some type of secret sin, usually pornography-based, that no one knows about. That's usually the building blocks. All right. Good take. Nick, over to you. Opening statement. I. I guess I'm, fo- I'm for this story. While I'm, I'm not insensitive to to Mr. Duggar's road that led him here or where he finds himself. I, I get I get hung up on the site itself and just it's 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 <laughs> the way it advertises itself. Life is too short. Have an affair, and it's just such a flippant perspective on the covenant of marriage and and. I guess the, I guess it's this is where I struggle because I see it. So I don't know if we're going to get into the stats here soon or not. We we alluded to in the top of the show, but I understand non-believers and maybe more emotions being part of marriage. It's it's feelings. It's I, I can't not be with this person more romantic than rather than. Covenant commitment, but for a believer, for someone who's who's a Christian, to get this deep in is difficult for me, um, especially as we see marriage being a picture through which we view our relationship with Christ. And for a believer that understands that relationship, that dependence, that self-sacrifice, 
to then find themselves in this position, that's difficult for me. And as some of the stats, difficult for you to to see to to comprehend that they would do it. To, yeah, to comprehend that it's yeah. and, and here's and here's where I'm getting at. As we we talked about some of the stats, but the the state we are in was the Alabama most most involved state on the site. A community most money spent in the country by people on the site was spent state of Alabama. Well, and then a community that is the proverbial stones throw away from here, the Hall of Dogma Church. Is one of the highest community grossing yeah. in this state. Is that correct? Yeah, I think we talked about that on the last time that we dealt with this issue, and but, I think we got a little bit into whether or not you know is this an issue of because I mean this is known as one of the you know the the, the center pieces of the Bible Belt, so to speak. I mean, it's a uh, people you know Alabama seemed very religious, and so we talked in the last podcast about whether or not you know, maybe so, there's. You're, Are those people really Christians or not? Well, but. and so I've, I guess I've thought about it more. And you talk about the secret sin angle, and I, and I respect that. But but are we as the church too cavalier with marriage? Do we do we explain what it is and what it means the way we should to people even in our own ranks? Or is it, hey, you guys are young, you're dating, you're out of the youth group, you're old enough to be married, um, and y'all can't not have sex, get married. You know, I mean, are we too cavalier with it? And I understand the verses that say it's it's you know better to marry than to burn. And I, and I understand that. I'm not. I'm in no way trying to argue against scripture. What I'm saying are we? Do we teach what marriage means anymore? Yeah. Really, I don't Probably think. Not. I don't think we do. Although I, I would not. My outworking of that would not be to say, you know, we're too quick to push people into marriage. I would say. We're we're just not teaching what well, it, marriage actually is. We essentially we have we have we have spent a lot of time looking the other way at yes. divorce, and we don't want to deal with the issue. We don't want to talk about it in messages. We don't want to disciple people in that process. And and I think we're pretty free to give people outs and mm. um and and what and so. I think because of that, there's just always the idea of, you know, yes, I can, I can just get a divorce and start over. Uh, I think that that idea is kind of out there uh, in the church and outside the church. But you know, when it comes to having an affair, I, I just think there's something about this 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 whole Ashley Madison thing. I, I I would be really curious how many guys logged in on that site and um, created a profile. Out of just uh, what's what's the word? Out of like an intrigue, curiosity, curiosity, or oh, I wonder if there's profiles out there. Oh, I wonder, you know. In other words, yeah. there's something there, there's something about that pornographic pull that I think was probably involved in this. There's just that um, just excitement in the flesh that comes from. Um, you know, logging on and trying something new hmm. that I wonder how much that played hmm. into what some of these guys were doing. Well, generally, generally speaking, I don't think pornography is the end game. Uh, as far as temptations go, I don't think pornography is is designed to be the terminus of the temptation. You're talking about by the enemy? Yes, by the enemy. I believe pornography is essentially designed to lure one into – Acting out physically 
the things that one is, I absolutely is, agree. is watching. I absolutely and, agree. and so uh, I, I think that's essentially the end game that a lot of the people that signed up for Ashley Madison are people that were already hooked in on the bait of pornography early on and were looking perhaps to act out some of those impulses. Well, and look, por- any, any kind of study on pornography talks about how quick the slope is yeah. once you get in, how how quickly the appetite changes and, and respectfully degrades into just yeah, yeah. almost unnatural type of fascination. All the people out there that, and there are many, who defend pornography and say that it, it does not lead to all other types of sin, but it does. I mean, it just does. It, it, you are, you know, with anything, it, it's the same thing. I mean, you could take something like drugs. You could start off, and I've never done drugs. Um, We're going to do this now? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to look over at you. I've never done drugs, but I imagine if you were to, you know, take a hit of something, that's enough for then. But eventually, one hit's not enough, yeah. and you have to increase that. Pornography is the same way. Yes, it is. It's not going. You know, I've shared this story before about someone that came to me for counseling, and, and their son had tried to pick up a prostitute. And one of the first things I asked was, you know, what what do you know about their habits? Um, I, I assume there's a pornography problem yeah. there, and they were like, oh no, no, they don't have a pornography issue, and and you know, I said. I think as you dig into this, you're going to find they did. Find that. Yeah. And they did after they looked into it. You know, it, it leads to violence. It leads to – it rearranges men's ideals about what sex and intimacy is supposed to be. Many of us have done that. And how to, go about, that. how to go about it too. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, you have so many guys who their first – any type of you know, knowledge about sex is completely formed by – things they've watched mm-hmm. and then that's the idea they have that they take into their marriage and and uh and so i mean pornography does so much again i'm you know i just think it's it is central in this issue and um i think probably that that's the thing you have millions of of stories here no doubt you have all types of guys who i'm sure uh military guys and government officials a lot of these email addresses were .gov .mil addresses they were looking to cheat, looking to have affairs. But when you look into the background of each one of those individuals and their stories, uh, I think pornography would be a, a key vein there. Um, and, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, this whole thing with Josh Duggar, I mean, he's getting raked through the coals and, you know, rightfully so. Um, but I think this, you know, one of the problems, and a lot of people – are loving this from the like LGBT community because you know Josh has worked for the Family Research Council right. and you know so their whole thing is well he's been out here trying to ruin gay marriage I actually heard a lady say this yesterday he's been out here trying to ruin gay marriage for years so it was kind of nice to see his marriage get put through the ringer that's, that's pretty vindictive and you know but you can be in key positions and um, deceived by sin and really believe what you're saying, but not believe it for yourself. To that, that you know, uh, you see pastors do this. You see pastors having an affairs, but preaching against them. You see well, what pastors. What do we call that? 
What do you call it? Being a hypocrite. Exactly. And, and let me tell you something. There's very few things the world despises more than hypocrisy. And and I've I've this week uh, read some Reddit posts and things like that where people have just absolutely raked uh, Josh Duggar over the coals. Talked about him being mentally. Uh, insane. His parents were uh, cult-like in their upbringing, that sort of thing. And, and probably a lot of things that might be a shade true, but I mean, just the the thing about hypocrisy is it opens the door for extreme criticism. And I think that's why Jesus was so challenging to the sin of hypocrisy, because it brings so much uh, shame on the body of Christ. Um James one fifteen, David, you were talking about how how pornography leads into action. You know, you have the whole James one fifteen kind of dynamic working there. Um, uh, lust, when it has conceived, brings forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. I don't think we quite talk about that passage enough, especially in context of pornography. Um, but let's let's, if I could, let's go a little bit different of a direction into uh, in in this conversation. I think we all n- understand. We've talked about it a lot before at least. We we understand the dangers of pornography leading into these sorts of things. Um there's no there's no right way we can look at this situation with the Duggars uh, with Josh Duggar in particular and use it as a um um attack on the Duggar's parenting style. So I don't want to do that. I don't think that would be fair. Just because you have one child out of 19 that has acted this way doesn't necessarily indict the parents for being bad parents. At the same time, I think it does open a discussion of parenting. Now, David, you and I have talked off air about this. I, I've never watched much of 19 Kids and Counting, not because I don't like the idea. I'm actually I'm a homeschool dad. We have five kids. That's night 19, but it's probably higher than average. Uh, but I'm not a big fan of reality TV. My kids watch it sometimes and, and have liked it. I understand you are not, a, not was far from a fan, but you've watched the show. How sheltered did the Duggars raise their children, like keeping them away from music, that sort of thing? I'll say it was, uh, our family was a fan of the show. We watched the show. Um, I enjoy aspects of it. It's not riveting television. It's not entertainment in the same way of um, a 24 or something like that. But I think it has – it's a good show. It has To me, had a lot of uh, good messages in it. And um, and I don't think, by the way, this you know changes anything. Uh, in regards to that, uh, and, and I'll come back and I would like to uh, expand on that comment before we're done. But to answer your question, I think they a fairly good amount of sheltering that happened uh, as far as keeping. You know, uh, if you're a Christian, you don't you know you don't listen to this kind of music. Um, you dress this way, or, or certain ways you don't dress. So you know, girls wearing the long ankle skirts uh, for pretty much every activity that they do. Um, you know, steering away from TV, secular yeah. movies, music. So I, I think pretty good bit of uh, sheltering in those terms uh, happened, you know, with the family from what you could see on the TV show. So, so kind of that's that's where I want to take the discussion. Uh, I'll just be kind of uh, I'll be a little bit transparent. Um, 
I have five kids. Said before, I got a 14 year old daughter that all all of a sudden turned into uh, a teenager. She likes uh, secular music, and although I try to push our kids to listening to majority Christian music, I have not in our house made the decision to completely ban secular music or to completely ban secular TV shows. Uh, I mean, we we are very careful what we let our kids watch. Uh, I know some other parents who let their kids, roughly our kids' age, watch things like The Walking Dead and things like that. And I'm like, you know, that's just that's too much for them. At the same time, we let them watch some things probably that our other parents wouldn't let them watch or listen to music other parents wouldn't let their Christian kids listen to. So this whole deal with Josh has got me thinking about sheltering our kids. And, and it seems like Josh was raised in an environment with no secular music, with very little, if any, television, with very little exposure to pornography in his in a, in a computer in his room or anything like that. And yet, surprisingly enough, he's a sinner. And and, and that I mean, I, I'm being a little bit tongue in cheek there. Sure. That's the thing. We cannot fully protect our kids from the world. John tells us to not love the world and to not be of the world. John, first John, I'm talking about, strongly warns us about the dangers of being worldly. At the same time, even if you fully shelter your kids from every worldly influence, there's sin in their heart. What does this situation, guys, say to us about parenting our kids? See, and that's where, because from the the different things I've seen in the production of the show, it does seem like the parents try not only to restrict around them, but it does seem like the parents try to really be involved. Um, I guess, you know, the thought could be, especially with him being the oldest of of this family, um, I can say I, I learned a lot with my oldest child. Um, that sometimes she got a harder time and sometimes she got an easier time than my younger kids. Um, so I don't wonder how much maybe they learned to parent differently. Um, but it's not environment. It's That's the thing that I, I do know. Um, I, I also don't think that we can I, – I don't think there's anything we can say or do to our children that is going to, to save them. And, and I, you know, a lot of listeners are going to, well, duh, Nick, of course not. Um, I think it's the relationship we have them have with them, the example we, we give them. Um, and I think one of those is, is repentance and it's messing up. It's not trying, trying to appear perfect. It's also not being flippant with your life in front of them, obviously. Um, but learning what repentance means, learning what it means to mess up, to acknowledge that, to confess that, to give that to the Lord. I, you know, I don't, I don't, it's hard for me to talk about their, their culture without being very snide and cynical. Um, but from the glimpses I've had of similar church cultures, as long as you look good on the outside, it's fine. You're fine. Nobody's going to bother you and you're not going to bother anybody else. Um, and that's that's problematic because that's not how we're called to live. We're called to bear one another's burdens. We're called life is messy, and we're not called to hide it from one another. As a matter of fact, we're encouraged 
to walk it out with one another. Now, that's not every sin in front of everyone flippantly, but um, to say anybody is on an island or expected to have to do themselves is just it's just not representative of what the the word paints the picture of an early yeah. church. Um, so I said earlier, I think the message of the show and the things that they talked about was to me was still relevant. And I do, uh, I think that I think the message, I think the message is that, uh, and I've never heard one of Josh Duggar's messages on, um, the trail, so to speak, when he was out promoting family. I think those things, I think the message, um, I think, Messages can still be true and good, even if the messengers are flawed. Uh, so, um, but uh, you know, I think one of the prime problems that you see—I think you see this with church leaders. I think you see it with the family research council people and their leaders. And I think you probably saw it on the Duggar show—is that people are not open enough about their failings and problems and temptations. They, the the family research people, tend to kind of present themselves. Not uh, they, they present a here is the moral good and and we're doing that and other people aren't and so you need to follow what we're saying. Yeah. They never talk about from from what I know they're not talking about their own temptations and issues. Pastors the same thing. So they're preaching a message, not talking about their own frailties and and you know so that's happening that's happening that in the background us on that issue Josh Dean yeah we have a, we have a we have a, a, a guy that listens to the show that pushes us on that so praise and, God for that and i think the duggars had whether it was their choice or whether it was tlc's choice it always seemed perfect uh-huh. but they didn't have a perfect life didn't have a perfect family and and they share that in interviews and i think they should be able to have shared that on the show because um you know, I heard a guy yesterday say, "Well, if you're going to be, if you're going to speak as a moral leader, then you should be willing to open your whole life up, emails and everything, and just show that you're in a good moral place." And I completely disagree with that. I think if you're going to be a good moral leader, you should stand up and be open about what your issues are and about what your problems are, are facing that you're facing, and and what you're doing to fight that. I think if you're in the midst of, you know. An affair or something, you 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 shouldn't be out talking at all, yeah. <laughs> you know. But um, I, but you know what I'm saying. I think good moral leaders are people who are standing up, saying, "Here's wh- here's what the word says." You know, I think that's the foundation. Uh, here's where I've messed up. Here's where I'm struggling, and, and here's what the Bible pushes us toward. So, um, as far as parenting, I you know I'll say this: I don't know the Duggars. I, I don't know them behind the scenes. You know if Look, if their whole parenting thing was if we keep our kids from music and movies and we get them to wear certain kinds of clothes, then they're going to turn out okay, then obviously that's not. I think that is sheltered parenting that is not going to produce fruit. One of the most powerful verses, Jesus talking to religious people, calling them your whitewashed tombs. Yeah, You look great on the outside, you're dead on the inside. But I don't know that that's what that was. I think parents, and if the Duggars were in the situation of we we put our faith on in Christ, we have trust in Him, and as an outworking of that faith, we try to be obedient to His commands, um, to abstain from certain things, and here are rules that we think are beneficial as an outworking of our faith. And I, would have a, I would have a hard time agreeing that 
Josh ended up doing this because they had too many rules. I, I, I wouldn't say that this would have never happened to Josh had they let him watch more secular movies or something I, like and that. And I completely you know? agree with that. But l- let me ask you this. Um, is, is it possible that having so many rules can be dangerous? Even if they have a good intention, is it possible are you asking me? I'm asking. Oh, okay. You. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. You were. You were. You were uh, all right. So, can too many rules be dangerous, even it, with good intentions? In what way? Uh, well, that's for you to decide. No, oh, that's for that's for me to figure out. Okay. I mean, all right. For instance, we're going to require yes. our daughters to all wear long dresses, just because we value modesty. The outworking of that value is our daughters are all going to wear long dresses and nothing but. Okay, um, I, I, think, I think why are you teaching them to be modest? I, I, I think the danger well, the Bible says commands modesty. Okay, but is modesty only long dresses? That's kind of where I'm going with the question I'm asking. I know I was helping them get there. Go ahead, Dave. What? Well, okay, <laughs> I used to teach youth, and I would, I would, you know, when we talked about this issue, my wife and I with the youth group, I'm, you, modesty, and I'll, I'll go to answer your question. I would say, um, you know, the Bible, the Bible, I think puts forward. Do not, you know, temptation will come to everyone. Woe to the one through whom temptation comes. So don't be someone who tempts a brother and sister in Christ. So, you know, uh, that using that to teach modesty uh, or, or, be, or thinking about what you put on so that it's not just about looking good. Um, at the same time, I would usually say at the end of the day, a girl could probably wear a potato sack, and a guy still struggle with with lust. So that's not going to cure the issue, and that's could, not the girl's could, fault. And that's not the girl's fault. Could could too many rules be bad? Too many rules could be bad in the way of the rules become the guiding force of your spiritual walk rather than the Holy Spirit. So what I would rather say is: here is what the Bible teaches. Here is. You know, here is um, the Bible teaches modesty. Here's why it teaches modesty, and, um, and and here's what we're going to do in this home to, in light of those commands. But teaching that as you get older, I think the Spirit has to guide, uh, and and the Spirit lays and writes the laws of God on your heart, rather than your whole religious life be about keeping the rules and 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 having a rule checklist. But when you're a kid, when you're really young, I think parents do have to set up some of those because the child doesn't know how to make those decisions. So you're setting up rules to lead them to a place where they they start making those decisions on their own. And and there's cuz there's going to come a point in their life when they're when they're going to decide what rules they should have or not have. I, I so you got to get them to that. You got to get them to that place. But when they're young, I think you have to lay out some of those f- for them. I agree to a, to a point. I, I am not an antinomian, uh, not especially not parenting wise. I, I think, and I agree with what you're saying. Definitely, you got to have rules, and and your kids are not always going to understand those rules. I think there is a danger, and I, I'm pretty sure you would agree with me on this. Um, I think there's a danger in a focus on external righteousness. 
Yes. There's a danger and a focus yes. on external righteousness. In it becoming all, your, your whole spiritual life is about keeping the rules and having rules. Exactly. Yeah. And, and Paul writes, 2 Corinthians 3, 6, Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficiency, sufficient to be ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. I think we should take heed to that. And my final comment, I've mentioned uh, this person before. Her name is Lori Ferguson. She writes on Sayable.net. She was homeschooled, raised in a very strict environment. She absolutely loves her parents and um, is is a woman of God now. But she's written something that has very been very strong on me parenting-wise. She, she wrote an article. Jeez, uh, I forget the name of it. Let's see. Sex Scandals in Conservative Homeschool Circles. Um, and she writes this. She writes, you can protect your kids from almost anything, but if you don't teach them that their greatest threat is the self and sinfulness that lies inside them, they'll be surprised by it every time. And she goes on to talk about all the allegations of sexual abuse, sexual assault, various things that have happened in various homeschool movements. And she says we shouldn't be surprised by this because she says, I believe that much of the sexual abuse scandal that's coming to light these days is directly related to the sin of legalism. It was Eve telling the serpent, God said we could not eat or touch the tree, when in fact... God just said, do not eat of the tree. There was so much fear surrounding the other things in life, music, clothing, doctrine, even food, that to broach the subject of sex just seemed almost otherworldly. We added to the gospel, to the truest things God ever said. We got knowledge of good and evil, but for many in the homeschool movement, we prided ourselves on keeping the knowledge inside and locked safely out. We, we never let ourselves realize the heart contains all the knowledge and evil it needs to have things go very, very badly indeed. So, David, if somebody's in this, listening to this discussion, thinking about parenting, thinking about righteousness, that sort of thing, you wanted to point them to the gospel. What would you say the good news of Jesus is? Is it don't listen to secular music, wear long dresses? Um, what, what is the good news? Now, we talked about this morning that uh, when we were in our message going through First Thessalonians, uh, you know, it is Christ is the one who will deliver us from the wrath to come. Christ delivers us from the wrath of wrongdoing. And I think the Bible talks about Ezekiel 36 when God describes the new covenant. I will remove from you a heart of stone. I will give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit in you and lead you to follow my commands. Uh, as a Christian, we have a desire to obey God's commands, and not only that, but we have an empowering to obey God's commands. Uh, but the Christian life will be marked by new desires, new thinking that leads to um, new behaviors. Those behaviors are fueled by the Spirit of God in you, and so I think you're always looking to Christ. You're always looking to the Spirit for help, for growth. Um, I, I think rules... I think parameters are good in having those to to teach people how to discipline themselves and think about, um, you know, how do I obey the commands of God? But if your trust is in the rules, then your trust is in the wrong place because the trust it can can only be in Christ because Christ is our only hope, not the rules that we can, you know, put in our lives. And I think as parents, the biggest issue is knowing 
when and how to begin to transition your kids away from rules and you do this because I said to giving them some freedom to start creating their own parameters in life based on their faith. So I I think we have to have wisdom to know when that is and how to do it. Amen. One addendum uh, before we close out, since so to avoid all the emails we might get, it is very possible that Alabama is not the number one state in America based on Ashley Madison. Um, based on paying accounts, Alabama is actually towards the bottom of the list. There is some speculation that Alabama ranks so high because on the free accounts, we are the first state listed, and somebody might just be entering, you know, just like one January 1st is often uh, a birthday used a lot when people sign up for free web services. Alabama is a state people use a lot. But as far as free paying customers, Alabama, Mississippi, uh, towards the bottom of the list, New Jersey sits atop the list. Mm. Yeah, the article I read said the Alabamians spent the most per capita uh, on the but site. But that, that is based on an estimate number of people signed up. I do not believe that was uh, based on hard financial gotcha. data. Okay. That's fascinating. All right. All right. Well, thank you all. For, <laughs> we've had a wild ride today, and thanks for everyone who has hung out with us through it. Um, we have a lot of ways for you to contact us. We've got email, obviously, thegospelfriends at gmail.com. That is correct, David. Uh, you were right the first time, even though I psyched you out not thinking I was listening. Okay. If you are interested in the shirts that we had had um, a while back, we actually still have them. And if you would like to order one, hit us up at thegospelfriends at gmail.com. And we you know, if you want to pay, you can. If you don't want to pay, I mean. We're doing this now? No. <laughs> um, thegospelfriends at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at my gospel friends, um, the gospelfriends dot com is the place for all of our contact info. We have our contact info page there, so hit us up there if you'd like to <laughs> send in any snide remarks about the show. Of course, I think Chase has already laughed a few off on the Periscope. Oh, so. we've gotten some snide remarks. Oh, I bet we have. Probably uh, deserved most of them. Yeah, well, that's probably true as well. So um, hit us up there, and we'd love to hear from you and begin more discussions there. So uh, that's it for now. Tune in next week. I'm scared to do this now. I really am. If it is, is it going to be something about you and his, y'all's friendship? I think that's think, a solid bet. Solid bet. We may hear Wani McConnell say, "Hey, I'm taking applications for best friends. So if uh, if you're interested, send those in. You better be committed." You like, know what's funny? You know, by committed, you know, two three times a year. <laughs> for the record, one of the guys you call. One of your best friends is sitting right here as you look over there, and, and you know, you know cry, what happens. You know what cry, happens when I invite. Cry. You know what happens when I invite him to come watch wrestling. He goes to the beach. Well, okay.
Brought to you this week by Davidson Security. All right. Brought to you this week by Chase's Bromance. I went out with like I said. Brought to you by Davidson Security. It's not my insecurity. I like hanging out with my friends. I love you, Dave. All right. Yes, this is the pre-show. Yeah, this isn't this isn't it yet. Hey, have you have we posted the link in the Hall of Dogma? Yes, you're the man. Sometimes. All right, here we go. I get Hall of Dogma duty because I won't blindly retweet. Quit. My nose to. always itches. Who said that? John Tally. Chase's nose itches. See it itching? Oh. I have itching. Oh, I do see disorder. it itching. Stop it. That's going to be a thing for the rest of the day. All right, David. I'm typing this out. Talk okay. about Ashley Madison. It's coming, Brian. Hang right, in there. Don't you have Evernote? For right, the love, three. pick up the can. Which can? Oh, is there a can on the floor that's disrupting everything? Well, David assaulted me with it. Because you're going to hang out with Sean. I mean, I like Sean. You can hang out with him all you want, but I ask you to hang out and you won't. Here we go. Ready? Three, two. Wait, wait, wait. Josh, can you pick up the can at your feet? Brought that's to you this week. aggravating it. But his name is not Josh. He doesn't want to. Oh, I'm sorry. He uh, doesn't. Bill? He doesn't want people to know him who he is. All right. Are we in the basement of Mom's church? That's awesome. <laughs> who said that? Was that? Actually, some of that said, was Brian. Williams. Are we in the basement or Mom's? Wait. We're in the basement it. of it Mom's was funny, church. Whatever it was. Okay. All right. Here we go. Three, two. You've got at least three more fake intros in you. Brought to you this week by Nick's Migraine. All right. I'm doing. That's it. popping my ears. That's Three, cool. Two. I was hoping to get your attention. Brought to you this week by the number of times. <laughs> hey, I'm ready. I was just frozen in time. Oh, here we go. Okay, here we go. Three. Coach Skinny Jeans is your superhero name. <laughs> <laughs> I am so okay with that. If you've ever seen his brother's jeans, you would disagree with his being skinny. But um, that's somebody who knows you, uh, unnamed person on the podcast, but. All right, it, you can't hold it there? Okay. Because we'll I'll watch it. Well, I can't see it. Oh, okay, my we, word. Well, girls, start the show. Get your own iPad. All right. Shut up. Are we recording? <laughs> We're recording something. Oh, yeah. It's okay. all after show at this Three, point. Two.